0: wonderful wonderful praise the Lord I enjoyed that, thank you musicians just enjoyed that immensely great presence of God hunger for the presence of God for more of Him, we need more of Him you need more of Him no matter how much you had or have experienced there is more there is more there is much more Amen. and the much more is for those who really want more And the thing about God is if we don't pursue Him and seek Him and hunger for Him, we don't get the more. We settle for what we have. I feel this tremendous hunger as we enter this year for more, more of God, more of Him. But you know, it requires something. You can say you want more, but it actually requires something of you. So it's coming, not this week, the week after we're having a season starting, a three weeks prayer and fasting, great opportunity to hunger for more. And uh, you don't necessarily need to fast. The whole three weeks some can some will do partial fast and various things we'll talk about that next weekend but I encourage you to just set in your mind that before I begin this year before I really begin to start to lay out many of the things I want to do I want to be near to God I want to make sure my life is open for the fresh things he wants to do can you say amen, amen. praise all well, while I got ready got a message already this morning and then I went up and had a shower and little change it all and be sort of something else so that was all good so I'll give you the something else. He just said, back up a bit. You're going running ahead of yourself. And uh, you need to slow up a little bit and back up. There's some other things I want to say before you get to that. So I'll tell you where we're going with it. But uh, I feel very excited with a fresh flow from the Holy Ghost and of uh, things he's wanting to do and feeling tremendous stretch of my own life right now. I want you to look with me in Numbers chapter 10. And uh, I want to just speak on uh, anointed for war. Anointed for war. Last couple of Sundays, one I ministered on Passivity and breaking out of passivity. And, uh, and the second, last Sunday, as the first Sunday of the year, we uh, talked about the whole year of having a militant spirit. Not militant against people, but militant against the works of darkness. And uh, we saw how the Bible is full of people with a militant spirit. Jesus has a militant spirit. When he returns, he returns to battle but he's also an incredibly loving person. So he loves us, he loves people, but he is militant against demons, militant against his enemies, sickness, death, poverty, all such things. And so let's just pick it up in here in uh, Numbers chapter 10. And uh, this is, we're just coming out of the Old Testament. Verse five, it says, when you sound the advance, the camps that lie on the east side shall begin their journey. So we saw in the Old Testament, they had trumpets, And the trumpets were special uh, silver trumpets. They were made out of one piece of silver, uh, beaten silver. And when they blew the trumpets, there was always something happened in response to it. And the Bible, when it's speaking of a trumpet, it's a picture of God's prophetic voice, God speaking a trumpet call. Uh, John heard a voice of a trumpet speaking. He heard a trumpet speaking. In other words, the prophetic voice is often likened to a trumpet. And so we found last week as we were talking, God was speaking to us about advance. Notice in verse 9, he says, And when you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, you shall sound an alarm with trumpets. You will be remembered before the Lord your God and will be saved from your enemies. So there's another trumpet. One trumpet is advance. In other words, when they heard the trumpet of advance, everyone had to make preparations to change and begin to move. One of the dilemmas the Church of Jesus Christ has had is it likes to get into routines, get stuck into ruts and old ways, and God is always a God who moves us. The Spirit of God moves like a river. He doesn't stay long in one place. The Old Testament, the trumpet would blow. They had to pull up the tent pegs where they'd anchored, where they'd got comfortable, where they'd set up their tent and got it all nice. They had to then pack it up, and move forward, move forward into the new things that God had. As we come into this year, we're entering a time where God has new things for you personally. Whether you receive them is your decision and your choice. God has new things for us corporately. God has new things He's doing in the nation. So God is a God of new things. About, about 12 months ago, the trumpet began to sound, and there was a starting to get a shift of new things that God is wanting to do in our nation. And so as a church, as individuals, we need to stand up and be willing to change and adjust. And one of the best ways we can do that is through entering into a season of prayer and fasting because it gets you attentive to God and focused on listening to His voice. And uh, so in this one here, it says, sound the alarm. Or the alarm, that means literally to split the air with a shout of triumph or victory. And so when they went into war against their enemies... You have to understand this. They went into war against natural enemies, but the battle was against invisible spirit powers. And when they were in the middle of the battle, they would sound the shout of victory, and the Bible says you will be remembered. Who will remember you? It says God, who is a covenant God, will remember the covenant he has with you and will unleash angels to act on your behalf so, to ensure you get the victory. So God never had any thing in mind, that they would suffer defeat. He had in mind that as they went in to possess what he had promised them, that victory would be theirs. And if the battle ever got too loud, they would appraise the Lord, shout to him with the voice of the trumpet, and God would remember them in their need and would dispatch angels to assist them and ensure they got victory, ensure they accomplished what God wanted them to accomplish. Hallelujah. Well, that's the Old Testament. Today, we're here in the New Testament. God still has angels. They still come on our behalf. The battle's changed. It's no longer, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people. Our war is against an unseen spiritual world that grips people with unbelief, doubt, passivity, cynicism, all these kinds of things. And our battle is to arise and bring forth an atmosphere of God. To overcome these things, bring people into life and liberty. Listen, when the Holy Ghost is free to move in your life, you start to move and smile and shine. Things change in your life. When other things are ruling over your life, heaviness, depression, oppression, that's not freedom. That's time to blow and shout an alarm and say, God, come to my aid, come to my assistance. I'm living below what you call me to live in. You say amen to that. Okay, we're going to go into uh, a story in in 1 Kings. Uh, You remember last week I was sharing with you some examples in the Bible of people who were all militant. They rose up and they literally picked a fight. Now, we don't tend to think that way. We tend to think, the church tends to think in very passive terms. So when you look around the church in New Zealand, you find in many places very passive. You go in, there's a passive, subdued spirit in the place. uh, But faith is always militant. Faith involves us believing that what God says is true, that what I see can be changed. So faith requires that in in, in the presence of what I see that's contrary to me and what I feel which is contrary to me and the atmosphere that's contrary to me, that God will honor His word and I will have what He said I can have and I will be what He says I can be. So faith is always militant. It is never passive. Faith always requires, I believe in the face of adversity. I stand in the face of adversity, and I speak what God says. Faith in the Bible is never passive. If I listen to you for a few minutes, I will know whether there's faith in your spirit. Because out of your mouth will flow negativity, defeat, passivity, or just a Those kinds of things are out of your mouth. Well, I am believing. God has been speaking to me. This is what I'm doing. You'll have a different sound when there's faith alive in you. Will there be a fight? Of course, Paul says, fight the fight of faith. It's the only good fight. You're either winning or losing. We want to win. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. So we looked last week through the Bible, and we found from the Old Testament through to the New, the kingdom advances when people have heard from God and have got boldness around their life and do things that weren't done before. It's true. They do things that weren't done before. So will you do any new things this year? Or will it be the same old blah, blah, blah? You want to change? You've got to do something different. you got to do something you haven't done before. You've got to actually break out of what you've accepted as norm and say this year, what I accepted as normal last year, it ain't going to be acceptable this year for me. Isn't that right? It requires some change. Now, so we looked at some stories of people Old Testament New, and, and I want to just now pick up one of the ones that I felt God just starting to quick and bring alive. I want to look at Jehu. Jehu. And so we're going to start this in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll pick it up at verse 15. And Elijah's been in a cave, and he's having a bit of a sad day, a depressed day, because uh, he's looking out there, and he thinks, man, the problems in the nation are too much, and there's only me left, and everyone's just gone their own way, and, and he's quite discouraged about the condition of the nation. And in the middle of it, God speaks to him, and he asks him the question, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And if you're in a cave of defeat or fear or failure or discouragement, God's word is, what are you doing there? You don't belong there. That's not where you belong. You're the man that's going to be the answer to the problems there. You're the one I've called to make a difference. What are you doing? You're my representative. What are you hiding in the cave? Come on out. And God gave him a fresh word. And this is what God spoke to him. He said, uh, verse 15, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Now, that's an extraordinary one. Whoever heard of unsaved people being anointed to fulfill the purpose of God? That rocks you a bit, doesn't it, eh? Think about that for a moment. And then he says, Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, Elisha the son of Shaphat of abel Mahola, and you shall anoint him as a prophet in your place. And it shall be whoever escapes the sword of Azael, Jehu will kill him. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. As it turns out, Jehu got them all. Verse 18, And I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal, whose mouth have not kissed him. So the land basically had forsaken God, was in a horrendous condition of idolatry and the worship of Baal, worship of false gods, uh, sexual sin and morality, breakdown and corruption right through the society. And yet in the middle of it, God says, I got 7,000 gone that way. I got 7,000, a remnant inside there, and they love me and they've never been corrupted. And I can make a change in this nation. And so what God does, the first thing He does is He begins to raise up the next generation of people who will change society. God is always in the midst of troubles, difficulties, financial crisis or other kinds of crisis. He will raise up people to do something and act in that season. Right now the world has had a huge shake. A year ago or so, a couple of years ago, it was a tsunami and suddenly people begin to realize this land we live on ain't so safe after all. And then last year, there was another tsunami, a financial one, and suddenly people, everything that people put confidence in starts to tumble until people even aren't even sure whether a bank will last it. But what God is doing is shaking. So you notice, God is able to use the unsaved world, people in the unsaved world. he's able to use unsaved people to accomplish his purpose. Never, never think that just because a person's unsaved that God didn't use them to bring about something. It's very clear in this that God used a number of people in the Bible. Cyrus, the king of Persia, was used by God to restore the temple. He's an unsaved man. Think about it. There's many people in the Bible who were unsaved, and yet, even though they were unsaved, God was still working through them to accomplish His purposes. That tells us God is bigger than it all, much, much bigger. There's no surprises for Him. There's nothing that's not in His power to shift and to change, and He's working it all for a purpose. Notice, so then, He raises up another generation. And uh, first of all, He begins to raise up someone who will be a challenge for Israel. He raises up an opposition to Israel that will challenge it to get into God. So sometimes God raises up difficulties, whether they be financial or other kinds, to challenge you and me to seek the face of God again. Whenever there's adversity, struggles, difficulties, challenges and upheavals, we're not to just spend all our time watching the bad news and lamenting, We're to push into the presence of God and begin to start to go near to God again and begin to allow His presence to freshly come around us and speak to us. Okay, and the next thing you notice here, He raises up uh, Elisha, who carried a double portion. So the next thing God does when He's raising up a new generation, first He works in the natural situation, then He works to release a fresh flow of prophetic anointing, prophetic words. So in this coming year, We expect, and I'm expecting, fresh flow of prophetic anointing, fresh flow of revelation from God, fresh insight from heaven. Why? Because you need a fresh word if you're going to do new things. You need God to speak fresh into your spirit if you're going to do something different instead of carrying on the same old plans. So we need to be positioned for a fresh hearing of the word of God. The third thing you notice he does, he raises up a king, king's Uh, The prophets were anointed to bring the word of God and the the flow of what God is doing to people. Kings were anointed for battle. They were anointed for two things. One, to fight the fights of the Lord, the battles of the Lord. And secondly, then to build when they had torn down. So Jehu was raised up to tear down the corruption in the land so that the kingdom of God could be established. Now that principle is the same today. God wants every believer to step up to be anointed as a king. The Bible says he has made us kings and priests to our God. The Bible says you are of royal blood. You are a king. Kings are meant to do something. Kings are meant to rule. Kings are meant to fight battles for the Lord. Kings are meant to step up, stand up, and make a difference. And so this man is anointed, and he's given an anointing, as we'll see. The purpose of it is to go out and shift something, to make a difference, to change it. Don't complain how bad the nation is. Don't complain how bad the schools are. Don't complain how bad the drugs are. You're anointed as a man of war to step up. The church is anointed to step up and make difference in the community and society. To do it, we have to be willing individually and corporately to stand up. So he's anointed. Every one of us is anointed. You are called to do the works of Jesus. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. You and I called to depose the works of darkness. Someone caught up in addiction, go pray for them. Someone needs a word from God, go bring a word of God to them. Someone needs to be delivered to demons, go deliver them. You say, well, I can't. Then what are you going to do about it? you're not doing what God called you to do. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. In my hands, they will cast out demons. In my hands, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my hands, I do many, many things. He said, the things I do, greater things shall you do. God has called you this year to greater works than what you did last year. He's called you to step up, but you've got to make that decision, a choice. There's an anointing, a fresh empowering. When God is speaking of new things, he, he gives empowerment for it. And one of the things that God's saying to us at the beginning of the year is throw off passivity, throw off apathy, throw off heartedness, throw off indifference, begin to be passionate in God again and let that fire come around your life. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Let's give him a clap. Let's give him a clap. I want you to follow me, go over to 2 Kings chapter 9. And we're going to look at receiving, receiving a fresh anointing. Now, there's many places you could find the people who received, but here's just one of them. And this is the one I felt that the Lord was emphasizing to me today. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. No, verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 to 3. One, 2 Kings 9, sorry, 2 Kings 9, 1 to 3. Elisha, the prophet, called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, get yourself ready, take this flask in your hand, flask of oil in your hand, go to Ramoth-Gilead. And when you arrive in that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go and make him, now notice this, go make him rise up from among his associates. Take him to an inner room. And then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus saith the Lord of God, I have anointed you king over Israel. (laughs) Then open the door and flee. Get out of there. Don't stay around there, you know. Not all prophets are meant to hang around. Just give the word and run. (laughs) I like that one. Give the word, fire the bullet, then run. Don't you love that one? Don't you love that? So notice here that the, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is empowerment to do something for God. And when you and I are born again, we receive an anointing of the Holy Spirit that abides, that teaches us, corrects us, guides us, uh, coaches us. The purpose of that inward anointing is to enable us to grow as a believer, to walk with the Lord. But there's another anointing, the anointing that Jesus said, "Tarry, wait in prayer until it comes on you. It's an anointing of empowerment. It's an anointing to do something. It's the tangible presence of God that when it comes on your life, your life begins to impact and influence others. Many believers or all believers have the internal anointing, but very few have the presence and power of God resting on them in a way that causes a difference when they go out. Yet that's the thing that makes the difference. All through the Bible, what made the difference was the presence of God on a person's life. It wasn't they had a good idea. They had a commission from heaven and the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. The disciples, until they got that empowerment, were very frightened and fearful and ran away. But once that Holy Ghost got on them, there was a new boldness came around them and they started to speak and live and act differently. And God's intention is not that you just live on that one level, but you grow and grow. See, so see, in Acts 2, the Holy Ghost came on them. In Acts 4, there's a greater measure, the whole house shook. I like that. Man, I'd love God to come and shake this building. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I remember when Jill was here, we had an earthquake. and there was a shake. She had this prophetic word. When I get in that meeting, there'll be an earthquake. And sure enough, we're in there, and the whole place begins to shake. Oh, I love that. But this was God, in X Forge, God shook the whole building. Now, if you're not walking close to God, you freak out with that kind of stuff. But it's nice when God does new things. It's nice when God does new things. It's nice when God does unusual things. You see, some of you are not sure. Because you like the same old, same old, same old, same old, because it'll keep you safe and you know what to do. But you see, it's in the new, it's in the new that you stay on the leaning edge of trust and excitement and adventure, adventure. I'm looking for adventures in the Holy Ghost this year. Adve- I felt that word adventure, adventures with the Holy Ghost, adventures. Oh, I think, oh, what does that mean? Oh, I must think about some adventures I can go on with the Holy Ghost. I'm really looking forward to some new things this year. But why not? Why not? Some adventures with When have you ventured out with the Holy Ghost to do anything? Bring a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy to someone or pray for someone. minister. Go you know, do something unusual, something a little different. Hey, that'd be exciting to do something a bit different, wouldn't it? See, there's a passivity here. That's what I'm talking about, you know. That's what I'm talking about. That's the thing that's got to go. Hey, you've got to rise up above all of that. God's going. God's doing something. Count me in. God isn't there. Count me out. I'm leaving. Or oh, I change it. We've got to do something different, so certain. Now, notice, notice what, this is what was involved in him receiving a fresh anointing, you see. The first thing is, is God said, make him rise up from among his friends. Listen, here's the first thing. If you're going to get a fresh touch of God on your life, you've got to stand up and not follow the crowd. You've got to step up from among your friends. Your friends may not want much of God. In fact, they'd much prefer you stay the same. I noticed after I got saved, he wanted me back doing what I was doing before. But when you, when you just make a decision, I'm pressing forward with God, it alters all your relationships and connections. When you start to say something, you say, well, I don't care what anyone else is doing. I know this year I'm going for it with God. I'm going to build a pre-life. Let God work in my life in a deeper level of holiness and purity. I'm going to let God change me this year. You step up and you're different. And not everyone likes it. They all want it to be the same. I like it to be different. I like it to be different. So when something different happens this year, don't say I never did that before. Let make room for God to do something different. Let God do something different through you. So the first thing you notice, it says, the first thing he says, make him stand up. Now, if you're going to do anything different this year, first thing you're going to stand up on the inside make a decision, I will change. I will set my face to do something different. What did he tell him to do second? Second, he said, take him into an inner room. In the Bible, the inner room always speaks of prayer. It's the prayer room. Jesus said, go into the room, Matthew 6, 6, shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. Your Father who rewards you, who sees in secret will reward you openly. So if we want to see different things openly, we have to do different things privately. If you want to see different things openly, then do different things privately first. It's in the place of prayer and intimacy that we receive new things from the Lord. It's in the place of prayer and intimacy that our lives are broken, that we begin to pour out, the wounds are healed, the things we've built in our life begin to come out, and God begins to restore us and empower us for new things. If you want to be different, you've got to get into the place of prayer. So make him step up, make him go into the prayer room. And then when he's in the prayer room, pour an anointing oil upon him. Don't you love that? See? So pour an anointing. First and the last thing is need to receive something fresh from God. Now notice what he got fresh from God. Now no one in the world knew about it except Elijah and him. You know what he got? He got a man of God come up to him with an anointing. He says, come on, boy, come on. And he stepped up. So he stepped up. Come on, come on, come on step up. Go step up, step up. I just need to, I haven't got any oil. The best thing, i got some water. That'll do me. Make sure there's nothing electrical around the man. Okay. So what he did, you've got to see what he did. He spoke to the man. He came up to him and he said, are you the commander? Are you a king? Have Have you got some fire in you? He said, yes, will you come with me? So he took him into a secret place, huh? Take him in the secret place. Whoa, in the secret place. Away from everyone. Now you've got a peek in, you see. You're all voyeurs today having a little look in at what God's doing. And then what he said. Now this is what God said. Now you understand there's two things happen in the secret place. Two things happen in the secret place. One is fresh anointing, the other, fresh commission. Now notice what he heard in the secret place. You are a king! See, what happened was, the prophet anointed. I'm just going to pour some of this. I'm not going to make you too wet. And I pour some. I've got no oil. That's the problem. See? So, unless we've got some oil around. No, we've got. This will do. This will do. So I want you just to focus. I just want you to see yourself. So you're in the secret place in prayer, and you're beginning to pour out to God. And then God speaks. See, he had a physical man come in there. And in that place of prayer, in that place alone, in that place out of the view of everyone, something happened. Something came from heaven. Two things came from heaven, and an anointing, and a word. I make you a king. Rule, rule, rule. And then the prophet threw down the bottle and fled. Right, he wasn't a king. He was a prophet. And he was scared he'd get killed. So the king's got to go and do the fighting. This is the word of the Lord. It's time to rise up. It's time to break free of those things that have been shackles in your life. It's time to stand up and do war with them and no longer enter agreement with them and you shall become a new man, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, so you notice you got a word from God. You know, it's interesting what the word of God said to him. Whoa! you won't get up easily. There's a power of the Holy Ghost on you. That's what we need is the power of the Holy Ghost on us. On us. Notice he received something fresh from God. What did he receive? He received a word that gave him identity. This is who you are. Look, look what he says here. I've got it here somewhere. I'm getting too excited running here. Can't find my place in the Bible. Here we go. Well, I can't. Here it is. 2 Kings 9. He said, I have anointed you king over Israel. He got two things. Number one, he said, This is who you are. You're a king. You're a king. You're a king, and this is the area or metron you're called to rule over. Now listen, if you will get alone with God, I tell you in this coming month or so, God is going to begin to identify for you your metron, your area of rule, that you should rise up and begin to learn how to bring the authority of God and change the spiritual atmosphere in it. Every one of us is kings. This man was anointed king over Israel, but we are anointed kings to change the spiritual atmosphere wherever God has called us to be. Second thing, he gave him a purpose. So in the place of prayer, you discover who you are. You don't discover who you are by trying out lots of relationships and by trying out many things and asking people. You've got to get it from God. God says, I know who you are. You're a child of mine. You're a child of the living God, born again by the Spirit of God, anointed with a holy calling and purpose. You need it inside you. Inside. Second thing he said, Verse 7, you'll strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so I can avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. The whole house of Ahab shall perish. So he gives them a purpose, a very clear, this is what I want you to do, you're anointed for this. And all of us, as we walk with the Lord, should be growing in anointing and in clarity what God wants you to do with your life it should become clearer and clearer. The path of the just is like a shining light. It gets clearer and clearer as you walk. But if you sit down and wait, nothing happens. Okay, now the apostolic anointing is an anointing for war as well as to build. It was on Nehemiah, so they had a sword on and they built. There's a mixture. You've got to tear some things down before you can establish others. So wherever Jesus went, he loved people but he also picked a fight with the devil. He went into many places and picked a fight. And you're going to look when we see of Jehu's battles, he went out picking a fight. Now that's a whole different concept to much of passive Christianity, which is, I want you all to be nice to me, I want to be accepted and loved, and I want life to be safe and secure, and no ruffles, thank you very much. That is a passive, defeated church. God is trying to put something worldwide back into the church that was lost in ages past called apostolic anointing. An apostle is one who is sent on a mission to a foreign territory. Now, you may not be an apostle, but you are called in this season of history in where God is operating to be apostolic to own, I am sent by God into the community to have an influence and make a difference. I am sent into a foreign land, anointed as a representative of heaven to bring heaven into the earth. That's what you're called to do. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Luke chapter 10, or 9, verse 1 and 2, Jesus anointed the disciples, said, go preach the gospel of the kingdom. Do you know what the gospel of the kingdom is? That you're called to preach. Pray for the sick, not pray for the sick, heal the sick. He didn't tell us to pray for them, told us to heal them. Or oh, I can't heal people. Why not? Get into a healing seminar. Find out how to heal the sick. Uh, cast out demons. I don't know how to cast out. We'll get in and find out. That's what the mandate is. That is the church's mandate. Oh, it's someone else's job. No, it isn't. It's yours. If you're the only Christian in that workplace, you're it. You're called to be apostolic, shift the atmosphere, and bring heaven into that place. This is what God is telling the church worldwide. So the apostolic anointing always creates conflict. These are the men that turned the world upside down. They weren't happy to see apostles because they upset everything. Oh, you're getting quiet on that one. I have a good thing about it anyway. See? So notice this. The apostolic anointing is a breaker anointing. I might get to minister on that. Uh, and, uh, but the breaker anointing is a special empowerment that shifts spiritual atmosphere. It gives breakthroughs where there was no breakthrough before. Church has been very pastoral in years past. Now God is saying needs to be apostolic and release breakthroughs. So things change. Things that were change. Why? Because of the supernatural, because of the people that pray and believe. Now, notice the name Jehu. Jehu means, literally, one who is powerful. God is powerful, mighty, and strong. It says in uh, verse, let's have a look, see if I can find where it is here. 2 Corinthians 9, find. Anyway, Jehu means powerful and strong. He was the son of Jehoshaphat. There it is, verse 2. Jehoshaphat means God has judged. And he was the son of Nimshi means God sees and set people free. So if you put it all together, St. Jehu is the one who's letting people know God is powerful and mighty. He's judged the principalities and powers of this age, and now he's come to set people free. Now that's the apostolic anointing. God is on you mighty and powerful. He's already judged the spiritual powers. He's judged them. And now in Psalm 149, it's the responsibility and privilege and honor of all believers to deal to spiritual powers. It's our, it's our responsibility to make a difference, to break through in these areas, firstly in the Spirit. Now notice he was anointed for war. In verse 7, tells us there, You'll strike down the house of Ahab. Now, you've got to understand, Ahab uh, literally is the one who provokes. The one who provokes God to anger. And uh, so, remember, if you just look first natural, then spiritual. If you think about Ahab, Ahab was a passive man. He was a man who was passive. And not only that, as a result of being passive, he yielded up and he never fulfilled his course that God called him to fulfill. When you're passive, you can't fulfill your destiny. When you're passive, you will come into compromise. When you're passive, you'll come into relationships which undermine your walk with God. When you're passive, you'll come under the control of something. And so when we look at uh, Ahab in 1 Kings 16, we find Ahab anointed to be king of Israel, instead compromised entered into a relationship with this woman Jezebel who introduced him to idols and then took over him and took over the nation. You have to understand those spiritual powers are still at work and they will work on any person who's passive. If you are passive, you'll end up making compromise, you'll end up in relationships you shouldn't be in, you'll end up in idolatry where something's got first place in your life instead of the Lord. And if you're going to shift, you've got to understand this, God hates that. God hates His people being in captivity. So God wanted to deal with them. He provoked the Holy Ghost. Listen, we don't want to provoke God. Believe me, you don't want to provoke God. So how do I provoke God? Well, the Bible says you can grieve and, and hurt the Holy Spirit and upset Him. So our attitudes, the way we live our life can grieve and provoke God. You imagine this, God is a husband to us, the Bible says. You imagine there if you're married and your wife begins to start to have an affair with someone else. Would you be provoked? Well, if you're a passive man, you probably shut down, don't think anything of it and find your own escape. But most men with a bit of life in them would get incredibly provoked. Go out and sort it out physically and then talk it through afterwards. Well, that's true. God is not much different. God is, he's provoked, the Bible says, when we are involved in the love of the world, when we actually are caught up in the value system of the world, when our values are no different to the world, we provoke God to jealousy. You can't be passive and be effective as a believer. You have to see passivity as an enemy. You have to see what lies behind it as an enemy, and make a decision. I, will, I may have lived under it for years. I'm not living it through this year that way. I'm going to break out. So we see there that passivity was a major issue. So he was anointed to deal with passivity, compromise, idolatry, witchcraft, control. Now you notice wherever Jesus went in and people were controlling, he caused them to all get upset and angry. They're that Lovely. You know, he sometimes picked a fight. He went into one place, looked around the church, and then he deliberately stirred them all up to anger. He pulled a guy out and healed him. So, what do you reckon about that? They were furious. Read how many times he went into a church or someplace on a Sabbath day. Why the Sabbath day? He was picking a fight. So, going, the Sabbath day heals the man. They become furious. Jesus picked fights, not with people. He picked fights with ungodly spiritual powers. He never let them, and so what he did was he would say and do things that would flush up what was there, bring the hidden spiritual powers out to the open. Sometimes they come out through people, of course. Okay, here's the last thing we'll finish in 2 2 Kings 9. The apostolic anointing or that breaker anointing breaks the hold of witchcraft. Now, notice this. Uh, he says here in verse 11, Jehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is everything all right? What's this madman? Who's he, where's he come from? And uh, do you know this man and his babble? I said, Well, he just babbles. Tell us what he said, though. Now, notice this. These are men of war, but they're under the influence of Jezebel and her witchcraft, and so there's confusion. Wherever there's confusion, there's witchcraft. Witchcraft, confusion, confusion, witchcraft. And so... And Eli- uh, Jehu comes out, now he's anointed, and they say, hey, what's up, that crazy guy? See, they couldn't even discern a prophet. That's how confused they were. Jezebel destroys the prophet. So the spirit they were under tried to silence the prophetic voice in the church of its day why we need the prophetic to flow continually through worship, through the utterances of prophecy, through the Word of God coming in the church. We need the release of that, otherwise the church comes down into bondage. It's got to have that life flow of the Holy Ghost. Every area of the church this year needs to be flowing prophetically flowing in words of knowledge, flowing in the spirit of revelation, it needs to happen right through the church this year. Whatever group, whatever area, it doesn't make sure, well, I'm on the security, it doesn't matter, you get words of knowledge there, pray for someone in the car park, whatever. Start to move with God. Don't let that fear and control come down and sit on you and shut down the gift. And so notice this, the guys are all confused. Now notice what he does. This is all he does. They're saying, this guy's a crazy guy. What on earth is he saying to you? It's just babble and nonsense anyway. And it's all lies. And then he said, This is what that so then he comes out, and this is what he does. He just says what God said about him. God has anointed me king. Now notice the immediate response. The confusion goes. They say, God saved the king, and they all line up to serve him and they go out to do battle. Now, what a shift that was. You there's no natural explanation for it the spirit of confusion that was over their life when they got a clear word from God, shifted what was on them, and they then lined up with what God wanted to do. Listen, you have to have heard. Notice all he did was say what God said to him. You've got to have something fresh from God and learn to speak what God says about you. If he says, you're his son, I'm the son of God. I'm one of his sons, part of his family. If he says, I've anointed you, God has anointed me for this work. You've got to learn to agree with your words with what God has said and then speak what he wants you to speak. And he just spoke out what God said. Immediately, the circumstances around him began to line up and they came on his side to fight the battles of the Lord. What an amazing thing. So we can learn some things from there. I love all of that. I love all I'm thinking, man, we need to be speaking over our lives what God says about us. Last year, God was saying you need to discover your identity in Christ. need to throw off shame and the false identity. Stand up. Know who you are in Christ. This year is the year to begin to declare it, speak it, begin to operate in it, begin to move in it. The Lord began to show me, and if you want to read through the next chapters, you'll find there were seven distinct battles that Jehu fought, and every one of them is something you and I have to fight against and push against to get a breakthrough, a victory. Now listen, I'll give you a secret. right happens at the very end? At the very end, this is what God says to him after he had stood up and he'd overcome all the enemies that God had told him to deal with. This is what God said to him. I love this. He said, Well done. Well done. That's what we all want to hear from God. Well done. You won't get a well done by being a nice person. Get a well done by rising up and fulfilling God's will for your life. He got well done. Why did he get a well done? Because of this reason. God said, you did all that was in my heart in this day. Well done. Now, we're living in the 21st century. The only way you'll get a well done is if you listen to what God is saying to the church, what the Spirit of God is saying worldwide, and you begin to rise up and do it. You say, well, I don't know how. That's okay. If you're willing, God can lead you into it. But it's no use harkening back to what happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or anything else, we're in the 21st century, God is speaking to the church to arise with a new spirit, a new mantle, a new attitude, begin to start to have influence and bringing the power of God into the community. Who will let in the secret place and begin to let God put a fresh anointing? When we have our times of prayer in the coming three weeks of prayer and fasting, don't just limit your time of prayer to the corporate prayer meetings. We'll have, come, and begin to set yourself to pray, to push into God. Where you've become passive, where you've come under control, where there's been compromise, those are the enemies to battle against. I'll explain and share with you what the Lord showed me of these things in another session. But this is a time when God is saying, rise up, get in the secret place, and receive a fresh empowerment from the Holy Ghost for the things God wants for you this year.